For those of you that didn't get to go on spring break, that's about as close as you're going to get uh, to getting to a beach <laughs> this morning. Uh, it is spring break week, so I got to get away for a few days with our family this past week. We went to Rocky Point for uh, two, three days and, and just got to sit and uh, soak up some sun and some sand and just uh, play with the kids on the beach, and, and that was a great, a great time just to spend together as a family. Now, you know, we were singing about this uh, song, no, you know, like having uh, these fears. We're no longer a slave to fears. And sometimes people ask, are, are you afraid to go to Rocky Point? Are you afraid to go to Mexico? We are doing a missions trip there, but we went with our whole family. We've been many times. We've gone dozens of times already, and uh, it is a great place. It's a great um, community for us to serve and to love and, and uh, even to go and vacation and enjoy that time. So we don't have to be afraid of those things. But this morning, I do want to talk about something that's very closely connected to fear. And that is worry, worry. Fear and worry are very closely connected, aren't they? What are some things that you worry about? Do any of you worry? I mean, how many of you say that you've worried in the past week? You've worried about something. All right, how about you worried about something this morning? All right? We worry a lot. I worry about things myself. And, and one of the things I realized is I'm, I'm approaching about 19 years in full-time ministry as a pastor. And then I did the numbers, and I thought, uh, that, that's almost, I'm approaching 1,000 Sundays. And for a pastor, Sunday is like, I mean, it's like circled on, on the calendar every single week. Sunday is a coming. Sunday is a coming. I don't know what the rhythm and the schedule is for you guys and, you know, in your work world or in your daily life or when those things come. But Sundays are always this, this, this pressure of what's coming on a Sunday. I have to have that message ready, that sermon ready. God, are you going to give me something to say? And I think about, you know, I didn't, haven't spoken every one of those weeks of those nearly thousand weeks, but a majority of them, and you kind of go... God, is there something else that, you know, you want to say? Are you going to, am I going to run out of ideas or thoughts or God's word? But he always provides. But that worry comes, and is there going to be something there? And, and yet, God provides. But we worry about other things. I worry about things as we talk about family life, and we think about, you know, finances, or we think about bills, or we think about changes we want to make in our house, or we look at our cars, and we go, we have over 400,000 miles on our vehicles combined, and my wife's telling me, we got to get ready to replace one of these here sooner or later, and she worries about those things, and, and we worry. And when we worry about those things, we, we start holding on to stuff, and it starts making us anxious about the future. What is it that you worry about? What are the things that are con concerning you? Now, I, I, I did some research on what are some of the biggest worries that Americans have that, that we face, and, and I have a list here of some things. So let's see if any of these um, might be things that you worry about. Number one on here, it says stomach. <laughs> Number one worry, stomach or being overweight, so our, our health uh, related. Getting old, lack of savings, financial future, overall fitness, overdrafts and loans, credit card debt, paying rent and mortgage, job security, diet, keeping the house clean, finding a new job, sex life, wrinkles or aging in appearance, working, uh, meeting targets at work, goal, uh, goals or targets. Does my partner still love me? Am I with the right person? Will I ever find the right person? And on and on the list goes. Things that we worry about. And as we worry and we hold on to those things, it begins to affect us physically, doesn't it? It begins to make us kind of uh, contract in, in, in our muscles and in our heart and our spirit, our stomach. We start getting tense and tight and we start getting sleepless nights and, and maybe we lose confidence in what's going to happen and maybe we lose our appetite and it starts affecting us in these different ways and we have to deal with worry. And we're in this series about these questions that Jesus asked. And, and today's question that Jesus asked, it's actually going to be a series of a few questions. But the overall question is this. Why do you worry? 
Why do you worry? Jesus is asking this question. Why do you worry? I think if Jesus was here today, he'd say, why do you worry? Why are you worried about that? Why are you worried right now about your savings? Why are you worried about your relationship? Why are you worried about your health? And Jesus asks us these questions, and and as we've been looking at in the series, Jesus isn't just making statements. He isn't just making declarations and telling us, you should, you should, this and that and the other, and having answers. He's inviting us into relationship through the questions. He's inviting us to deeper understanding, to deeper reflection. And today, there's several questions that he asks that are mostly rhetorical questions, but they lead us into an understanding of this question and, and getting us to look at our own souls and going, why is it that we worry? I think our initial reaction is, why do we worry? Is like, yeah, because I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my finances, these things. I can't solve them all. I don't have the answers. I don't know how ends are going to meet. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if he's going to walk away. I don't know if she's going to love me. I don't know if I'm going to get through this illness. And, and we understand. We understand why we worry. But why does Jesus ask us this question? And so we're going to look at a passage where Jesus dives into that to help us understand a little bit better how we should approach worries and what that might be an indication of. So let's pray and let's begin to bring these worries before God and then we'll dive into his word and see what uh, he says to us. Heavenly Father, thank you for a place like this where we can come and we can just bring our anxieties, we can bring our fears, we can bring our worries, we can bring the things of this past week and and, and things that are weighing us down and, and we're in a safe place here, God, where we can bring those things to you. And you can speak into those very needs that we have. And God, this morning, I pray that you would speak into these worries that we hold on to. God, would you bring us through them and bring us freedom and bring us hope. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at a passage out of Matthew chapter 6 here in just a moment. And Matthew chapter 6 is part of a a three-chapter series of um, a passage that's called the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And this is where Jesus has gathered people. He's on a mountainside, and, uh, and he's teaching, and he's, he's beginning to tell them things about life. And the Sermon on the Mount, he really has this formula where he, he oftentimes says, you've heard it said, but I tell you. And so what he's doing is he's saying, look, there's a way that the world and the way that you've lived that approaches life a certain way. But let me tell you that there's another way. In the kingdom of God, there's another way that we can approach life. And let me tell you about the kingdom of God and what that looks like. And that there's a better way. And that there's a way that leads you to a more fuller life. And so he's talking about this through the Sermon on the Mount. And he comes to this passage in Matthew chapter 6 where he starts talking about some very practical things. He talks about our stuff. He talks about things that we have. And and he refers to them as our treasures. Things that we have, we would say our stuff, the things that we value. And in this context of the passage we're going to look at about worry, it's really a context about finances and money and stuff. And isn't a big part of our worry related around finances and stuff, right? It's provision. It's our future. Will we have enough? And Jesus understands this. And he's saying, and so we spend our lives, and he's going through, he's saying, you store up stuff, and we put stuff away, and we put it in barns, and we store it up, and, and we try to protect it. But you know what? All those treasures are fading, and they're fleeting. He says, store up your treasure in heaven. Put it somewhere where moth and rust won't destroy. And you're going, okay, well, you know, how, how do I do that? Because I have to live this life, and I have to take care of things. Then he says, you know what? You can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Either you will love one and despise the other, or again, serve one and and, and despise the other. 
What's it going to be, God or money? You can't be between both. You can't serve two masters. So that's the context in which he's speaking. He's saying, where is your allegiance? Where is your trust? Where do you, where do you put that focus? And then he gets into this passage. And, and I'm just going to read this longer uh, passage here. It'll be up on the screen for you. And then we'll go back through and we'll break it apart. So let's look at Matthew chapter 6. If you have it, uh, you can turn there or, or go there on your phones. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Here's how he begins this section now. He says, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, King Solomon, in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So we look at this passage and you think, wow, easier said than done, right? I mean, we just do this, this message, I could sum it up here and just say, don't worry. Don't worry, be happy, right? Listen to the, was it Bobby McFerrin and then go home and that just lets all your troubles ease away and just be happy. But somehow, we seem to need to do more than that. Just being told not to worry is not enough. Actually, that sometimes makes us worry more, doesn't it? When someone says, don't worry, you're going, no, I mean, I got to worry, because if you're not worried about that, then I feel even more worry about that, right? In marriage, that often happens. If one spouse worries more than the other and one doesn't care, it puts more weight on the other for worrying about those things. But Jesus here walks us through some, some key questions that, again, are rhetorical questions. He's not necessarily looking for an answer, but they're making a statement. And through that process, he's helping us understand maybe why it is that we shouldn't worry. And so he begins actually with the statement that, that we started with in verse 25. And he just simply says, I tell you not to worry about everyday life. So here's the, here's the teaching of Jesus. Don't worry about everyday life. Like he'd be telling us right here, stop worrying about all those things. So that's the foundation, everyday life. Now, everyday life there, what he was mentioning is food and drink and clothing. I don't think that's... That's a big concern for many of us in 2016 living in Scottsdale, thank God. I mean, most of us have probably enough food. We go to a refrigerator that we open up and it's filled with stuff. We actually end up throwing things out because of expiration dates, right? We end up going, we have a pantry full of things. And, and that's not true necessarily for everyone. But in, in our culture and where we are, these aren't our everyday worries. We may actually worry about, can we eat at the nicer restaurant that we want to eat at, right? That's maybe more our concern. Can I have the nicer clothes that I want? But what are the everyday worries that we have today? I think a lot of that stress that we mentioned earlier about relationships, about finances, about provision, about our future. Will God take care of these basic everyday needs? These worries. And then you add to these worries that we have nationally, right? I mean, look at what's happening in our political race. 
And how many people are concerned and worried about our country? And maybe rightfully so, you say, we should be concerned. But this worry that sets in is it's, it's doomsday. It's all going to end. It's all going to come crashing down. And, and fear gets a hold of us. The economy and social security and our, our borders and international politics and our standing in the global economy, all those pieces, they create this environment where we live in a nation and in a world, and we're a part of that, where we're surrounded by these everyday worries. What are we going to do here? What are we going to do about this? And, and there's just the heaviness. There's a heaviness on us. And Jesus is saying, don't worry about these everyday things. Now remember, Jesus says, begins the section, he, he says in that phrase, that is why I tell you not to worry. He's referring to just what he said earlier. You can't serve both God and money. And so I wonder, is worry actually one of those warning indicators that something in our life isn't right? That something in our spirit isn't right? That something in our relationship with God, those of us that follow Jesus Christ, that have given our lives to him, that say we believe in Jesus Christ and, and we follow and serve God, when worry creeps up, it's a warning light. And I think it might be an indicator that, that maybe we're serving the wrong master. That maybe we're focusing on the wrong things. That, that evidence is that, that we're trusting money. We're looking for hope in other things instead of God. And so Jesus says, look, don't worry about everyday life. And then he begins to walk us through this passage and a few different questions. And he asks this first question. Isn't life more than food? and your body more important than clothing? Now, again, rhetorical question, but if we were to answer that, it's sort of like a, well, yeah. I mean, I, granted, if you, don't, if you absolutely have nothing and you're in the desert and you're stranded or you're, you're, you don't know where your next meal comes from, that is your first order of priority, is to, to be fed. But even we would say it's more than life. We don't just graze like cows day in, day out, just trying, that's all we have. Our only existence is to have food and to have clothing. Jesus is saying there's more to life than that. Those things are important. They're your sustenance. They're there for life. But isn't life more than that? Of course. But Jesus is saying, I want you to live for something bigger. I want you to, to, to think about why I put you on this earth and, and put your energies and attention into the kingdom of God and what's around you. And yet you put all your energy and attention into worrying. Start living and stop worrying. Stop worrying and start living because there's a bigger life for you than the, the worries that begin to kind of make you contract and, and pull back from life. And then he gives a very practical example. He says, you know, maybe he was there teaching and all of a sudden a little bird flew up, you know. And he goes, look, look at the birds. You know, they're, they're not planting and they're not harvesting. They're not storing up in barns. And, and yet your heavenly father, he cares so wonderfully for the birds. And, and won't he care for you even more? And so he's looking at who feeds them. Where does this come from? And I think even that simple, that simple challenge where he says, look, look what's there. Look what's around you. And I think God is saying to us, look around your life. I'm 43 years old. And I can look back and say, God, have you ever not cared for me? Have you ever not provided for me? You brought me 43 years, and yet I worry about tomorrow. Yet you've provided and cared for me every single day of my life. And here I am on this day, and I look to tomorrow, and I look to the next week, and I worry about what's next. Jesus is saying, look, open your eyes to the ways that I've provided, the ways that I've looked after you. It's so important to notice the gifts and the abilities and that God has placed in you and how he has continued to look after you. But then he says, who feeds them? Who feeds the birds? Heavenly Father. All of a sudden, the, uh, the worm appears. 
God provided it that morning. And I think what Jesus is saying here, as we begin to think through worry, and we begin to this idea, like, don't worry, he says, but the first thing he's asking us in a way is saying, who's your source? Who is your source? Where does life come from? Where does the provision come from? It comes from our Heavenly Father. And he said, just point, looks to the, to the birds and says, look, he's the source. And then he asks the second question after he talks about the birds. He says, uh, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Aren't you far more valuable to him than the birds are? And again, it's like, we're not going to have a big discussion on this. This isn't our big question for the day, right? This is an obvious answer. Yes, we are far more valuable to him than the birds are. Jesus himself is saying, look, you're far more valuable. You have intrinsic value. I mean, as we think and head into this Easter season, we understand that Jesus paid a huge price for us, for our relationship with us, going to the cross for us, coming to the world for us. We are valuable. And he's saying, so look, if God is your source and you are so valuable, won't God care for you even more? Won't God provide for you as he is for those birds? And I think it's such, an, such a nice thing when we can live in that trust. Last night, I had the opportunity to go to, to Mana House. It's, uh, it's one of our missions uh, outreach uh, partners that we have. Mana House is a house for veterans. It's a transition home to help them uh, in, in, in a season of their life. And, and by the way, if you didn't know this, it stands for Marines, Army, Navy, and Air Force. So I never knew that for a long time. Someone's in church, we think it's manna from heaven, but maybe it's both because we bring, we bring food. But it's Mana House. And so several families from the church came and served. And at about 5 o'clock, my, my daughter started walking the halls ringing like a little cowbell, which is, you know, the dinner bell. And, and these men started coming out of their rooms. And there was food provided for them. There was a meal. They didn't have to worry about where it was going to come from. And there was a great meal, and there was fellowship. There was value communicated as we had conversations and talked about what, uh, what they're going through in life and where they're at. And God allowed us to be providers in this instant. But that, that faith and that trust that God will provide, that's something I've learned even as I've, as I've interacted with homeless in different times throughout my life where we've done a missions trip and have had conversations. Sometimes they understand more than anyone else the provision that somehow God provides. And yet when we look at our lives and we think we've done it, we're doing it all, when we have to understand God is our source in a heartbeat, those things we put our hope and our trust in can fade away. We are valuable to him, and if God provides for the birds, surely he will provide for us. And so he's walking us through this understanding of why we shouldn't worry. Then he asks another question, I think this is a big one. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Again, an easy answer, not a big discussion. I think we all instantly answer and go, no. When was the last time worrying added anything to your life? let alone a single moment. I did a little research on this and, and came up, found this. It says that the time that we spend worrying, do you know how much time we spend worrying? I don't know how they did the research here, but it says we spend an average of 14.3 hours per week worrying. That's a lot of time spent worrying. And if that's true and if that plays out, that's 744 hours a year. And when you begin to add that up in a lifetime, you know what that comes to? 5.2 years of an average lifetime spent worrying. Those 5.2 years, have those enriched your quality of life? Have those taken you further and gained something? Has that worrying accomplished something? Has it answered your questions? Has it solved your future? No, it's robbed you of life. 
And Jesus seems to be saying, here's one reason why you ought not to worry. One, you know, God is your source. You're incredibly valuable. But worrying doesn't add anything to your life. As a matter of fact, it robs you of life. We are literally worrying our lives away. And think about this. How much time have you spent worrying about things that have ever, never actually happened? Things that are probably not even likely to happen. And worry has this quality to it that when we start worrying about one thing, we start worrying about the things that are connected to it and the things that are connected to it. And all of a sudden, we're going down the line, we're playing out the future, and we're starting to worry about a future that most likely will never even happen. And yet it begins to create all this kind of anxiety. As I thought about the spiraling effect of of worry and and, and that we worry about things that are sometimes really ridiculous, it made me think of those, remember those direct TV commercials? Take a a look at one of these. Maybe this this might be a little bit how our, our, our worry process gets out of hand. Take a look. When your cable goes out, you get stressed. When you get stressed, you need to get away. When you need to get away, you go for something exotic. When you go for something exotic, you get bitten by something exotic. When you get bitten by something exotic, things swell up. When things swell up, you can't go home. And when you can't go home, you become a local fisherman they call Big Fatty Face. Don't become a local fisherman they call Big Fatty Face. Get rid of cable and upgrade to direct TV. Now, now where is this guy sitting? He's still on his couch, right? And all that triggered it was the thought of his cable bill in this instant, right? Funny commercial. But that's what worry sometimes does, fear does. We jump from one thing to another, and we create these scenarios that don't happen. If I don't get that new job or that pay raise, well, then, then I can't replace the car. And if I can't replace the car, then I can't take my daughter to her golf lessons, and, and then she won't get that scholarship to college. And if she doesn't get the scholarship to college, and, and we're worrying, we're worrying, and we're playing out these scenarios and God's saying, that's not adding anything to your life. As a matter of fact, all the moments that you spend worrying, you're not present. You're not with what's in front of you. You're not taking care of what's right here in front of you. So all these worries cannot add a single moment. As a matter of fact, worry robs you of life. And then he comes back with another question and example simply. And why do you worry about your clothing? Scottsdale Fashion Mall. <laughs> We might not worry about having enough clothing on our back, but we worry about, do we have the right clothing? Do we look fashionable? What do people think? And we worry about things like that. What's people's impression of us and all these things? Jesus just here asks that question, why do you worry about that stuff? And then, he, and then maybe again, he's, he's just looking around, and he says, look at this lily. You know, these lilies on the fields. Look at this beautiful flower. I mean, it, it's dressed more perfectly and more beautifully Then King Solomon, one of the wealthiest, this legendary king for Israel who had everything at his disposal. He's saying that flower is more beautiful. And it didn't have to worry. It didn't have to make its clothes. It didn't have to run to, you know, the Scottsdale Quarter. It just just was there. And God says, look, look, if, if God cares so much for such a temporary thing that's here today and gone tomorrow, won't he care even more for you? And that's really the question, right? Again, he does this comparison. It's another one of these, look around you. Look at the ways that God has cared for you. And then he comes to the fifth question. And this is really, again, a core question of what what we need to do some introspection on. And he says this, why do you have so little faith? What I find interesting, and not actually planned as we put this series together, but as I've worked through this, each of the last two weeks, including today, comes back to this faith issue. When we started the series with Peter, and Jesus asking, why do you doubt? And he comes to Peter, and he didn't ask him this question, but he says, oh, you have little faith. 
Faith and doubt connected. Last week we talked about Jesus saying, what do you want me to do for you? When he asked blind Bartimaeus who couldn't see. And when he heals him, he says, because of your faith. Because of your great faith and, and because he cried out to God. Faith was linked to that, to that healing. And here again, in this passage, as we talk about worry, as we talk about where we put our hope and our trust and our faith, he asks, why do you have so little faith? And this isn't, this isn't a belligerent, this isn't a, oh, you guys have such little faith. He's just simply asking, there's really not a need for you to have such little faith. When you think about who's your source, when you think about where provision comes from, when we think about how God cares for this world and the trees and the birds and the plants and, and you're so much more valuable, then why, why do you have so little faith in God? Why can't you trust what's happening? Because worry and faith are linked, but they're in inverse proportions, Right? So your worry goes up. You know what's happening to your faith? Your faith is pretty, pretty low. When your faith is high, when your faith is strong, when your faith is in who the faith is in, all of a sudden it covers, it covers worry. And so if you're worrying, and when we and when I carry that worry, it's actually an indication of where my faith is. But what's my faith in? Is my faith in in the fact that God can provide or that his timing isn't right, that he doesn't know what he's doing? I mean, where does worry actually really originate from? I think worry begins with a problem. There's something that we're facing. There's some fear. There's some unknown. There's a problem. And usually the first response, I think, for us that creates worry is, I can't do it. That's the first kind of reaction we begin to worry is, if I could do it, I wouldn't worry about it. If it was taken care of, I, I would be okay, but I can't do it. And we start thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I can't handle this. And so it feels like it's something beyond our control. And when something goes beyond our control, we start to worry. And what Jesus is saying here, you're missing the next step. Who does have control? Where is your faith placed? How do you respond? What are you focusing on? And that's why, again, it's in this context of resources. If your focus and your trust is on money, that money can solve all your problems or your stuff or your things, well, then put your trust and your hope in that. But you know what? That will let you down. And so many of the things, even the false hope we sometimes live in, that life is secure. Well, I've got my house now, or I've got my marriage or relationship, or I've got my health. We know how things can change in a moment. And all of a sudden, we go, where is our, where is our stronghold? Where is our faith? And Jesus is saying, put your faith, put your trust in him. And then look at the, in verse 32, after he asks these questions and walks us through faith, he says this, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. I think it's interesting here in this translation that it says these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And if, and if you don't know Christ or if you don't have your hope or your faith in Christ, you know what a message is for you this morning? You should worry. <laughs> worry is okay. <laughs> you, that, that's all you have actually is worry. If you don't know Christ, if you don't believe in an eternal creator, a God that loves you, that values you, that is our source, that cares intimately for us, then all we do have is worry because we have to worry. We have to figure out on our own how to make this happen and how it comes together. But as Jesus taught all throughout the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said, but I tell you, you don't need to worry. You don't need to lose your life and sleepless nights and carry all that anxiety because you're not like that. You know Christ. You have a relationship with him. It shouldn't be that way with you if you truly understand and know who God is. And then he just says, you know, seek God first. 
Put your emphasis, put your priorities on the kingdom of God. And you know what? I'll take care of this other stuff. And what we do, we get it wrong all the time. We always try to take care of this stuff and then hope that somehow the stuff from the kingdom of God gets taken care of. And he just says, I want you free to do the things I've placed you in this world to do. Let me worry and let me care for you on these pieces. Get your focus in that right place. When we were uh, in, in Mexico, we, we actually spent some time at the Via Granada, which is the, the place that we stay with our missions trips and uh, on weekend missions down there. And there's a pastor and his wife, Pastor Edgar and his wife, Alma. They have a, they have a small church. We've gone and we've served there at a previous trip with our church. And, uh, and they also run and maintain this, this, this old restored hotel that is a missions base. And, and so we spent some time with them, and, and we, we sat down and just started asking, what do you need? What, what's God stirring in you? Just tell us a little bit more about what you're doing here. And among the many different things that they shared, they, uh, they began to share with us a burden and a vision that they had. And, and, and just this idea of, of this trust in God. They, 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 they pulled out some, some, uh, a roll of... Uh, of uh, like some blueprints, a uh, blueprint roll. And they rolled out these building plans, one sheet, pretty simple. And it was for a family shelter for women and children, uh, for abused women and children. He said, and she, and with brokenness, as we, they began to share their story, and, and just you could see the weeping in their eyes, says, we've been praying for this for seven or eight years. We've just been praying. We've been praying. We have no idea how to provide this. I'm telling you, this church, there's, there's zero dollars, there's zero money, there's zero ability to, to do this on their own, and yet they believe God has called them to do this. And they began to share, saying that 94% of the women in Rocky Point, in that city, experience some kind of abuse, whether it's physical, emotional, or economic. It's a brutal system and a brutal uh, culture that, has, that happens behind closed doors. And they know firsthand because they experienced it themselves. And I hope one day they get to share their story here with us. And through that, the heart is broken to seek after God. And even though they don't know where their resources come from, they're not spending all their time trying to raise those resources they're praying. And they're doing what God has called them to do. And I began to ask, well, what does this look like? And what does it take to, to build this, this building with eight different uh, you know, rooms and, and a kitchen and, and actually little living quarters as, and just to be transitional help until those relationships are restored if possible? And they said, well, you know, about $150,000. And, and, and it just seems like an insurmountable dream for them. And then I come back and I look at our $3 million plans. And I know this is what we need to do. It's different cultures, it's different places. But I know, you know what I know is it's not an either-or scenario. It's a both-and. In the kingdom of God, God has enough to provide in all the places. And what, but what I see in them was just this heart to continue to serve and to do and to put the kingdom of God first and to trust, not to worry, but to trust. And it was so encouraging for me to hear their story, to see their faith to see what they want to do, to try to get the land, to try to build, and to do those things. Amazing faith instead of worry. Then Jesus ends, and actually, you know, in this little section, and I find this to not be the most encouraging way that Jesus ends uh, in, in verse 34, but he says, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. It's like, oh, gee, thanks, Jesus. But he acknowledges, it's the reality. Today has enough challenges. So when all is said and done, focus on the now. 
be here right now. We could have, you, you may have been sitting here worrying about all the things the next week. You could be sitting on your phone planning out next week and sending emails and doing all those things to try to prepare for next week. And you know what you missed? You missed worshiping God. You missed his word. You missed the presence of those around you in this moment. It's so easy when worry takes us out of the present. And Jesus is saying, worry about today. It's enough. It is. It's enough. Focus on what's in front of you. Trust God. Place your hope. Place your trust in him. And when we do and we place that trust, there's peace. When you worry, there is no peace. Jesus says, place your trust and put your peace in me. So we need to replace that worry. Stop worrying and start trusting. It's not just stop worrying, but start trusting. And how do we do that? We bring our concerns to Christ. I think we bring it to him. And maybe when you, when you confess to him, you just say, God, here's the anxiety that I'm carrying. Here's the worries that I have. Would you please take them? Would you guide me? Would you help me through that? And I trust in you. And just as he said, look around, look around. God, I know you've taken care of me. I know you are the provider. I know you're the source. I trust you. I give it to you. He said, cast all your cares on me. Jesus says, my burden, right, isn't heavy, it's light. And if we're carrying heavy burdens, it's not what Jesus intended for us. Look at Philippians chapter four, verse six. Paul writes, don't worry about anything. Again, it's so easy. Don't worry about anything. It's easier said than done. But he says, don't, he doesn't just say don't worry, but he says, instead, pray about everything. You're taking those things in prayer to God. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Replace your worry with trust. Put it in God's hands what is it that you're worrying about? What is it that we're worrying about? As a church, maybe you're worrying, and, and I hear, you know, you have questions, and you wonder, what's happening? We've been through a, a year of tremendous change. Well, what's going to happen when, when, when worship leadership changes? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen? We still have a, a million dollars to, to bring together for the, the, for the building so that we can finish that project. We've started it. But you know what? We, we can worry. And we can let our focus come inward and, and begin to you know, tighten up and, and, and just not even be present to what God's calling us to do. But here's one thing I want to tell you. I believe that followers of Christ, we ought to be the most passionate, most positive, most forward-looking, most peaceful people on planet Earth. In all this chaos that's happening around us in politics and in our world, we ought to be people that say, you know what, I, I care about those things. I'm invested in those things. But you know what, I trust in God. Because my God is the supreme God. He's the creator of all things. My hope is in him. He holds the future. The world has existed for hundreds of thousands of years. It will exist tomorrow unless he decides to come back and take us back. And then I'm ready. Let's worry about today. But today, God's given us something to do. He's put people around us to love, to be in the moment. And this is something that we need to learn. And when we have that trust and we have that hope, and we go, you know what? I know what God is calling us to. Let's go after it. Go forward in confidence and faith that God is faithful to bring to fruition what he's called us to. So let's focus on what's in front of us. What is it in your life that you're carrying? The worries that you have, the weight of the world. Can you take it this morning and say, God, I, I'm worrying and losing sleep and losing life. I want to give it to you. I trust you. I'm going to wait on your timing. I know who you are. Let me be free to live today. We're going to have a chance to respond as we sing the, the, the closing song. 
And maybe you take those worries and you write it down on one of these cards and you pin it to the cross symbolically saying, God, I'm gonna take this worry and anxiety and I'm gonna give it to you so that I can focus on today and what you've put in front of me because I wanna serve you. And you respond in that way. Let's stand together. I wanna pray with us and ask for God's peace over you. Heavenly Father, thank you for this teaching. Thank you for asking us these questions that just lead us into a moment to reflect, why is it that we're worrying? Why are we carrying all this anxiety? It's not adding any days or any benefit to our lives. Father, help us to turn it over to you. God, we confess that our worry is sometimes or often the indication, God, that we don't fully trust you, that we don't believe that you're able to handle it, and so we take it back on our own and try to figure out a way. God, help us just to have that trust in you today, that you will bring healing, that you will bring hope, that you will walk alongside us, that you will provide, that you will give us the opportunities to, to, to take care of the things that we need to in due time. Keep our eyes open to what's in front of us right now and right here in this moment and today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.